passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock, alongside Wei Ting here on a Monday evening. Welcome to the show. Hello, Wei. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Is it is it too much to ask you multiple times a day how you're doing? Um, no, it's always nice. Yeah, I, you don't have to. No, that's I why like I, to. I like to. I, I just I just don't know if it's kind of like you you have a consistent line day by day, and you're not going to show too much. Um, too much uh, of a swing from the from the precedent you had set some eight hours ago. Yeah, probably not. But um, it, but you know, it's nice to be asked. But um, I also wouldn't get offended if you didn't ask. Okay, so, well, it's fine. I'm doing great, by the way. Well, you see, that's why I didn't ask because <laughs> I mean, I figured you know, I I imagined you'd be doing the same as you were. Well, we have a lot to get into tonight. Um. I do want to go over some things on the schedule, but we'll do that uh, a little later on in the show. Of course, we have Raw to review from Wichita, Kansas. Have you ever been to Wichita? Can't say I have. No. Kansas say you have? No? Uh, no. No. <laughs> That's all I have to say about Wichita. Never been myself, um, but that is all. Uh, we have serious news to discuss off the top. Of course, the major story in wrestling today concerns Jeff Hardy. And he was arrested uh, over the past 24 hours. And this was in Volusia County in Florida. And he is facing three charges, uh, the most significant being uh, driving under the influence. And we were in contact with the uh, both uh, representative at the Volusia County uh, Police Department and the uh, and the Florida Highway Patrol. And we were able to get the actual police report. So I'm just going to rely on it to uh, pass along uh, the details. This was uh, the report that was filled out by the reporting officer, Zach Steiner. And this report was filed uh, earlier today. And from his notes on June 13th, 2022, and the, the time frame of the, this incident was around uh, 1230 a.m. late Sunday, early Monday, just to put it into context. Uh, I responded to the report of a white in color Dodge Charger that was swerving all over the roadway, failing to maintain their lane and running off the roadway in the area of Interstate 4. Uh, prior to catching up to the vehicle, four callers called 911 to report the vehicle and its poor driving pattern. 
I caught up to the vehicle as it was merging from Interstate 4 onto northbound Interstate 95. I observed the vehicle to be traveling significantly under the speed limit, weaving across travel lanes and running off the shoulder of the roadway. Due to the poor driving pattern, I attempted to perform a traffic stop on the vehicle that he names here. The driver did not immediately pull over and failed to pull over in a safe manner. The vehicle eventually pulled over onto the northbound outside shoulder of Interstate 95. I made a passenger side approach to the vehicle and observed a single occupant in the driver's seat reaching into a black backpack on the passenger seat. I issued loud verbal commands for the driver to take his hands out of the bag to which he did not respond. I proceeded to slap the passenger window to gain his attention, which was also unsuccessful. The driver appeared to be in a stupor and confused. I maneuvered to the driver's side and then issued verbal commands to place his hands on the steering wheel. The driver was compliant with this request. The driver attempted to place the vehicle in park at my request, but was unable to get the vehicle in park before letting go of the brake, which resulted in the vehicle rolling forward. The driver quickly applied the brakes and placed the vehicle in park. I told the driver to unlock the door, which he attempted to do, but was also unsuccessful. I had to open the locked door prior to ordering the driver outside of the vehicle. The driver exited his vehicle without any issues. The driver appeared to be steady, unsteady on his feet, displayed orbital sway, reeked of the odor of an alcoholic beverage, and was confused. Through conversations with the driver, it was learned that he had been drinking earlier in the day. A driver's license query identified the driver as Jeffrey Nero Hardy, date of birth, August 31st, 1977, and uh, lists here that it was learned that the driver was suspended out of North Carolina and was convicted on two separate DUIs. Um, listing dates here in 2018 and 2019. It was also learned that Jeff Hardy had a driving restriction, which required him to have an interlock device in his vehicle, which the rental vehicle did not have. After speaking with Jeff Hardy and establishing, uh, observing multiple indicators of DUI impairment, I requested that he perform a field sobriety exercise or several exercises to which he consented. With the help uh, of another trooper he lists here, I relocated Jeff Hardy to a flat, dry-level surface where field sobriety exercises were to be administered. Jeff Hardy's performance on the exercises provided more than enough clues necessary to effect an arrest for the offense of DUI. Jeff Hardy displayed severe nystagmus. I'm not familiar with this word. Was unsteady on his feet. It means like eyes like swaying. Okay. Yeah was unsteady on his feet and could not complete any portion of the exercises successfully or without risk of falling. Um, and then I'll just uh, skip towards here uh, towards the end. Based on the aforementioned information, I have reason to believe and do believe uh, the defendant Jeffrey Hardy violated Florida state statute and um, the defendant willingly provided two breath samples. The first, the first with a sample reading of 0.294 and the second with a sample reading of 0.291. The legal limit in Florida is 0.08. So we are talking about over three and a half times the legal limit in the state of Florida. Um, he was booked uh, later in the day on Monday, and he was, as of this evening, they had listed a release date or a release time at around 7.45 p.m. on Monday night. And Mark Ramundi at ESPN reporting that he is scheduled to appear in court on Tuesday at around 1.30 p.m. local time. Um, this is uh, an unfortunate um, story that has followed uh, Jeff Hardy. This is someone that I, I think we can just clearly see that this is a man that has an extreme struggle 
with with addiction. And this is going back nearly 20 years when you remember the first time he was let go by the WWE in 2003. It was his refusal to go to rehab at the time, and they let him go. And this was when he was still a very prominent star. Um, and that's going back 19 years. Um, there have been many, many unfortunate stories uh, in those years ensuing. And and this comes at a time where, I mean, I, I don't know what your your answer is other than this is somebody that I think des- desperately needs help. And this is a really, really concerning pattern that I, I can't help but but link to all that we have been talking about with Tammy Sitch recently. And thankfully, there was not um, anyone injured in this. But that so easily mm-hmm. could have happened. And yep. I just think these stories, like, you need to... Really and listen, I'm not preaching here, but you like no. You, you should really. We should be preaching here. This is this is really bad. Like well, I, I look at this and I just I imagine this is this, Jeff Hardy is someone he has children and it's like could you get it through your mind if you hurt a child if you if you hurt anybody anybody like, yeah. and you got through this without uh, without that happening like you will live with that with the rest of your life. If there mm-hmm. is a fatality and what you will live with, you will be giving yourself a life sentence if you get behind the wheel of a car and somebody does not survive your decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so concerning. Um, I do not I do not care about pro wrestling right now with this individual. And yep. I think it's the least important of of the factors. But um, I just I think at this point, when when you hear Jeff talk about when he left WWE and, you know, he's good and you know, you take him at his word, like struggle. Addiction is something like you struggle with that your entire life. Believe me, I am sympathetic to that. Um, but, but this is, this is a line that you just, you, you cannot cross um, where you're getting behind the wheel of a car. And I'm outlining like in plain language, the state that he was in. Um, it's remarkable that uh, he was, that just not, there's nothing worse that we're talking so about right now. It's remarkable that, yeah, that other people weren't hurt uh, as a result of this. And as is always the case with something like this. So this is the third time he was caught in what, four, in the last five, five, five years. 2018 was the first one, right? Or, or not the first one of, of his life, but in recent years, 20, 20, DUI, March 10th of 2018, and then went in October 3rd on, of 2019. On- Yes, right. he was, um, as I uh, pulled this up here, on, on July 13th, 2019, Hardy was arrested in Myrtle Beach for public intoxication. On October 3rd, 2019, Hardy was arrested and charged with driving while impaired in Moore County, North Carolina. And on and then uh, this most recent one. Um, and, and one before in 2018 as well. Right, well. right. There was one in 2018. It's not listed here in his uh, in his Wikipedia, but so yeah, there was the 2018 one that is listed in the police report. So, so listen, that, those- that's like three in the past uh, 10 years, which is listed in there. And this is like a this is a this is a felony um, for, yeah. for this this DUI charge. And and, and is this, is always the case with, with something like this. We have to consider all the times he did this, but wasn't caught. Um, and it's very likely a whole lot more than than what has happened. It's incredibly sad. It's incredibly disappointing if you're a fan of professional wrestling, if you've been somebody who's been following Jeff Hardy for all these years. If you are on his side arguing against the WWE for wanting to, you know, um, uh, give this guy a test or send him to rehab or something like that. And and I think we should maybe point out that it's very possible that the incident that, you know, he that had occurred at that house show he could have been very well fine for that. You know, everything could have been truthful. 
while still while he was still having an issue maybe in other ways but i think this sort of arrest and having like the bare facts written out in this police report report that you dug up john it, it tells you everything you need to know about his current state you don't blow a 2.94 um unless you point two nine four two point nine four i'm sorry that, that, that would yeah. be um <laughs> I, I, but but a nearly point three like is like a whole lot of drinks it's like more than 10 drinks you know like in the span of like an hour and 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 to get behind a wheel at that point is not something somebody does just you know like on a on a casual night out like it's not one of those. This is incredibly serious. He's putting himself at risk, and of course, the lives of other people at risk. Like, like so, this is at a point. Like this, this guy needs at, at minimum a driver. At, like the the very minimum. Like there needs to be. Yes. Like he no, should not be in a position where this is even possible that he yeah. is getting is able to go out to drink and has access to a car. Yeah. So so it says what he was in Florida. Um, he he had a rental that didn't have the interlocking device that he's supposed to have every time he drives. Correct. Um, so all of that. Um, I mean, all of that said, I have no appetite to watch him wrestle anymore, you know, knowing that he's going through all of these issues. Um, if in the future, like, I don't know how he's been getting around to all of these shows, um, like especially when he has to travel. But like knowing this type of stuff has been going around, I, I just have no appetite at present to watch Jeff Hardy wrestle and perform. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's facing like the, the the felony, which is the the DUI and noting that it's uh, DUI, alcohol or drugs with third uh, third offense within the last 10 years. Then there is a violation of driver's license restrictions slash interlock device that you mentioned and then driving while license uh, suspended or revoked. So these are significant charges, the biggest being the, the DUI. And yeah, yeah he, his, the advertising from uh, for the ladder match this Wednesday has been pulled by AEW. Um, I would say 100% we are not going to be seeing Jeff Hardy on, on television this week. And I would imagine um, that's going to be a decision for AEW of, of what they are doing move, moving forward. Um, the fact is uh, we cover an industry where there is extreme latitude. The bigger a star you are, and Jeff Hardy is a big star. And I am sure that they are I, – I don't know what the – I think a lot of this is going to be on Jeff Hardy of what is he willing to do because um, doing nothing uh, would seem to be something you couldn't fathom. Uh, but we've seen other examples where it's been um, offenses like this and there's been no knowing um, like rehab being mandatory or such. It's – it, I mean, it's a test for AEW, honestly, because we know WWE has a policy. But like when when somebody is under AEW's watch as an employee of their theirs, how are they going to respond? Um, and I, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you're a member of the audience, you you have a lot of things that I think you would like to see done before. Again, we feel comfortable seeing Jeff Hardy in one at least their ring again or any ring, really. Yeah, that's right. Um, and 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 it's certainly brings about the question of someone that at 44 years of age with the like litany of injuries that he has put himself through, like, is this, is this the best um, place for him to be? Are we talking about like jail time? You know, like what, what are we talking about that that can actually happen as a result of these charges? I mean, anything is possible. I mean, it's, it's going to be for the, for the court to decide. Um, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have enough expertise in, in the field of what, what he would be facing uh, legally, but we probably will, will get a sense of it. The, the fact that this is not um, a, f- a first time offense and it's, it's a third. I mean, there's, there's certainly that, that question about, you know, um, not putting him in a position where this can happen another time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure a story we'll, we'll be following very closely. Um, I listen, like I, I, in cases like these, I, I, I always have a level of sympathy for the person that's suffering from this. And God knows, I'm sure like the battles that Jeff Hardy internally has been able to go through with his family, with the people by his side. Um, but it's at the point now where like he is an endangerment to other people around him. I mean, he has been, uh, I, I guess, quite frankly, but this was unfortunately just a big wake up call to all of us who have been watching and enjoying his matches that, I mean, I, you know, it's really hard for people because this, this is an extremely popular and likable figure on top of it among his peers, among fans. I don't think there's anybody um, that is not rooting for Jeff Hardy to live a successful life. Uh, But at the same time, um, that also makes it become easier to somewhat just, except that everything is fine and maybe not not look at someone that is still going through struggles and you just you do not end up in a situation like this where everything is just going great and there's like there is an issue here and it, it it's just the the level of chance that you are left with where a tragedy comes out of this it's just like we have just seen the example of someone in Tammy Sitch who it was just time after time after time and it resulted in a 75-year-old losing his life. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. think anyone wants to see that be the end result here. And someone that is left with with that realization of what they have to live with, of the fact that their actions uh, could cost someone their life. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I've said my piece. Like, drinking and driving is something that I, I think is um, most people take very seriously. But it's also one that just seems to have a lot of chances are given over and over. And we're talking about life and death in these situations. A people in a few people in the chat room have been asking how he was even able to rent a car. I'm sure that's something that'll come out. Um, you know, I I I I don't personally personally know like the amount of checking that that's involved even in in somebody with a. I mean, if he's got a suspended license, yeah, it's a great question. So um, maybe these details will come out in the days to come. All right, uh, we will be following this story, and again, he is. Uh according to Mark Romani, to appear in court on Tuesday. Um, let's chat a bit about what's coming up on the site before we get into Raw. It's a pretty packed schedule here at Post Wrestling. We're going to be back on Tuesday. Uh, this week, four bonus shows. If you are a member at postwrestlingcafe.com, $6 gets you in the door, and this week you will be getting Rewind Away number 112, featuring Money in the Bank 2016 from Las Vegas, headlined by Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. How things change and how things stay the same. Uh, well, we shall see. I mean, very different iterations of both characters. Um, yeah, but sure, this is a show. At, at least, I, I suppose you could say from, from this modern era, this current era where uh, of professional wrestling. But you're right; even in that little span of time, a lot can change. Uh, and then later this week, uh, Way is going to have the wellness policy with uh, several guests. You guys are going to be doing a film review, and what's really cool is uh, this film. Uh, it's called Out of the Ring correct? It's called Out in the Ring. Out in the Ring. Yes. And you will be joined by the director. And this just uh, screened in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. That is correct. It is called Out in the Ring. It's a new documentary about LGBTQ plus 
pro wrestlers. So uh, you can check out the trailer right now at outinthering.com and we'll be joined by the director. So I'm very excited to talk about uh, that film and really just the, I think the topic itself uh, and joining us, me and Jordan Goodman will be our man, Neil Flanagan as well. So join us live at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll probably send a, send a link out on, on our in, uh, Twitter uh, sometime before that. Uh, and then it'll be available uh, for everybody to listen to at postwrestlingcafe.com for free. Yes. Uh, Thursday will be a very busy day. MCU later will be coming out chatting Ms. Marvel and a very special edition of the British wrestling experience. As Martin Bushby has noted, uh, he is going to be winding down his uh, podcasting career. Uh, so this will be the last official British wrestling experience with Martin. And he's going to be joining us on Tuesday on the daily news show. We will chat with him a bit about uh, how long we've been working with him, uh, the history of the show. And uh, he's got a very special show planned for Thursday. So I think longtime fans of the show will want to check that one out. And also coming up this weekend, we will have a new long and winding Royal road, myself and WH chatting June 9th, 1995. Mitsuharu Masawa and Kenta Kobashi taking on Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe, a match that WH Park calls the greatest tag match of all time. Wow. Uh, always a fantastic set of recommendations and, and a great little kind of watch along, you know, with WH and, and a number of his guests. This is one he's been looking forward to, to for a long time, and I'm looking forward to listening to it as well. And uh, speaking of Mits- Mitsuharu Masawa. Today was the anniversary of his passing. It was uh, mm-hmm. 13 years ago that Mitsuharu Misawa passed away tragically in Hiroshima uh, d- during a tag match, teaming with uh, with Goshiozaki. And yeah, we talked about it a little today on the news show, and I wrote about it in the uh, in the news update today. Uh, someone that I-, I think you can look back way, and I-, I think you can look at just the in ring contribution of like one of one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And I think there's also lessons to be learned as well of somebody that, I mean, burned the candle at both ends. And at 46, it was just one where it was one bump that he could not get up from at the end. It's a very tragic end to to a story involving him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a career that I think, you know, spans so much between like uh, in-ring quality, but also, yep, a topic like that. Um, And also just business-wise, you know, founding his own company. Pro Wrestling Noah that, um, you know, continues to at least be in the headlines today. So um, a very interesting figure. And I look forward to hearing uh, UNWH speak about him a bit more. That's right. And uh, the week will wind wind down on Sunday with a new edition of WrestleNomics Radio. And Sunday night, I will be doing a bonus show for cafe members reviewing Impact Slammiversary. That happens on Sunday night from the Nashville Fairgrounds, headlined by Josh Alexander and Eric Young. Uh, We've also got several guests coming up on the Post Daily News Show, so tune in weekdays, 1 Eastern, youtube.com slash postwrestling. Uh, We're going to have a special show on Friday, a roundtable show with some mystery guests as we look back at 20 years of Impact Wrestling from June 2002 up until this Sunday, 20 years to the day this Sunday of their anniversary. At many times, I'm sure people did not predict they would make it to 20 years. I'm sure there were people that at times didn't think they were going to make it to the end of the year, but here they are 20 years later. It really is quite remarkable, but I'm looking forward to this uh, roundtable with some of our special guests. All right. So all of that can be found. Postwrestling.com is where the whole schedule is posted. And again, postwrestling.com, if you would, or post. What's the uh? What's the postwrestlingcafe.com? Yeah. Too many. It's only I, been done. five years, John. But what, what, uh, what are we? Imagine if I've been saying the wrong address all this time. <laughs> uh, postwrestlingcafe.com gets you all of the bonus shows, all of our archives, a custom uh, feed for your podcast app with all the bonus shows directly to your phone, including the daily news show. I mean, what more could you want? 
Nothing in life. That's like, it. Come on. Just be like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Water, got- electricity, a personal exclusive Patreon podcast feed. That's really the three things you need. Yes. There you go. Tonight's Raw. What more could you ask for from Raw? Probably a bit. From the Intrust Bank Arena in Wichita, Kansas. A show way that um, no Roman Reigns, no Cody Rhodes. And man, this show felt like one where like it's built around Riddle in many ways. Mm-hmm. And Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. We didn't even have Edge on the show tonight, which I mean, in storyline, he shouldn't have been on the show after that attack last week. But mm-hmm. I mean, I just found like this is I a mean, show that I, I didn't hold have- on a second. You forgot the main event, John. We had a oh, pose goodness. down in yes. our main event. A that was pose it. down between Bobby Lashley and Theory. That was that was the uh, the headliner of the show. I think it was. Uh, Numbers down would probably be how that quarter is going to look. That would be my guess. They were going up against the NBA Finals tonight, which started at uh, against hours two and three of Raw. And I can't even say like there was anything on the show that I was like negatively against. Yeah, there was there was some good wrestling on this. There show. was some good wrestling on this show. Um, like I didn't have many complaints about the show, but I I think you'd be crazy not to look at it and just the star power feels very diminished. Uh, one week without Cody on the show. And if you're trading in Cody uh, for Riddle, I think that's a downgrade when you're, when you're looking at it. Riddle to me is not enough of a multidimensional character um, that, that carries a show in a top babyface role, at least not right now in this incarnation for me. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, there is upward momentum with him as they're building him up for this Roman Reigns match. That's happening on Friday. Um, but, but you know, Let's remember, like, Cody wasn't always a part of this product, you know, prior to March. And this was not – Raw doesn't have Roman Reigns. Um, who did they have? Like, why who why doesn't – why don't they get Roman Reigns? They don't even get a date on this guy. He holds one of their titles. Well, listen, he's on his island, okay? Yeah. He's on the island of relevancy. But um, this kind of felt like a bit more of an average edition of Raw. Like, I didn't necessarily feel the the, the, the star power lacking maybe any more so than than usual. Like – you know, um, but but it's it is low, yeah, in the grand scheme of things. We start off with Miz TV, and Miz is with Paul Heyman calling Kansas a wasteland. I mean, you guys booked the building. You guys actively came to this city, so you can't complain too much, right? This wasteland. He's complaining about the fact that WWE booked him to show up here. Well, Miz brings up his success, winning Money in the Bank twice in the past, and he goes on forever about the history of this thing, the process of what you have to do, and how someone who wins this year will cash it in on Roman Reigns. So Heyman says there's 0% chance they will win if they cash in against Reigns. And the match with Riddle will have an added stipulation to make the stakes even bigger. But before we can hear these added stakes, Riddle interrupts to talk about the Miz's balls. Heyman just, he says, you talk a lot. But you don't really say anything, which if ever that described these opening segments on Raw, where you go 15 minutes and you can boil it down to one sentence, nail on the head. He says that Reigns will have to kill him to stop him on Friday. And Heyman says, you cannot beat Roman Reigns. But if you do, you will be champion. But if Reigns wins, as long as he is champion, you will never get another shot. It's do or die, which I guess will be the tagline of this match on Friday. And... I think my prediction is going to be right. Do or die. It is going to be die for Riddle. And Reigns is going to leave this guy for dead on Friday's show. I think we're getting a massacre in Minneapolis. 
the Ma- the Minneapolis massacre. Oh, okay. Alliteration always nice. I don't I don't know if it'll be a massacre. I think Riddle will is at the level where he'll get a good good amount of offense. In. I'm saying the end scene is going to be Riddle like his okay. career is over. That's the feeling we're going to have at the end of this. Like okay. just a, a, a violent beatdown. But yes, sure. like a real match. We get we get an actual match. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't think anybody is really buying Riddle to to win and the the championship on Friday. Although anything can happen, of course. But um, I, I I don't mind some added stipulations here. You know, like last Friday, I guess we saw somehow you know Paul Heyman and, and Roman Reigns agree to this idea that riddle will get a match but now roman has been do- or sorry Hoy heyman's been doing some negotiation he gets a little bit uh, of a stipulation added to it as well you only get to challenge the champion once and if you don't win then you will never get to challenge him again so i liked it i like this little segment here and kind of set everything up rather uh, conveniently and, and effectively and quickly and riddle you know always uh bringing up randy orton so teasing i mean really what we're looking at is just a precursor to the roman randy match I will say they do a great job, at least they did on Monday, of constantly bringing up like these main characters that are not on the show. Like you mm-hmm. do not go many segments without hearing about Cody Rhodes, yep. without hearing about Roman Reigns, and without hearing about Randy Orton. And none of these people are on the show, but they are constantly being brought up. I felt they were going the extra mile to talk about Cody on this on this show, which is fine. Like make that an impactful angle from last week. Absolutely. You replay, they replayed the Cody Rhodes video that they aired on Friday and it was excellent. And um, in cases like these, I don't think you can really air some something like that enough. I mean, if they aired it again another time, maybe that would be too much. But two times, even if it's the same video, I don't think it's bad at all. And if we're going to compare often when we watch Dynamite to what they do better than the WWE, then we have to compare WWE to what they do better than AEW. And in this case, it's the constant... Uh, you know, reminders of, of things that you might have missed earlier. You know, you if you this, miss, you see this decaf coffee. I made this after Raw ended and before the show began. You think that's happening it's on not, Wednesday? First of all, yes. If you're a reviewer, if you're a podcaster, if you're somebody who likes to try to get a meal or a bathroom break in in the middle of a wrestling show, yes, the WWE does a far better job of allowing you to, you to Dude, do that. Dude, I work out during Raw. I read oh. books during Raw. I'm going up. I'll get something to eat. I eat yeah. during Raw, dude, and then I make a coffee at the end. I, I, I do my grocery run in the middle of Raw sometimes. You, yeah. People might come. It's a long show. Don't get me wrong. Uh, reminder, we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of three-hour Raws in July. Um, ten? Man, I, 10 years, shit. dude. 10 years of oh these, my God. these damn my life. shows. But, man, but, I can say, like, I can relax during Raw. Okay. But, but, but we, we're, and that's we're kind of, notes. We're kind of speaking in jest, but I do think something that they do really well is to hammer home the important things that need to be hammered home. So that by the end of the show, you, you know who the main characters are. You know what the matches are that are coming up if they do take the time to create the matches. Now, that's another issue. But what they do know that, like, if uh, for this up in this episode, for instance, I thought they did a really good job of reminding you about Roman and Riddle happening on Friday. Uh, Jimmy, uh, the segment ends with the Usos coming out, followed by the Street Profits. And <laughs> this was entertaining where Heyman brought up that not only do I not think you can beat Roman Reigns, I don't think you can win tonight. And they did the greatest job of of hiding the fact that he would be facing Ciampa tonight. Like they almost tricked yeah, you into watching this match. I was they, like, who, I was like, who is riddle facing? They didn't mention anybody. They thought it would be better to leave it a mystery, which I can't say is the wrong approach given what? how they've handled Why? Ciampa because well, they, you're thinking who's going to be showing up to face him. 
I wasn't thinking that at all. I was thinking well, oh, he they, they obviously line. thought it would be better to leave it open ended than to say you're facing Champa tonight. Riddle would come out. They didn't even tee up who the opponent was. You literally came back from break and Champa was in the ring, and it was like, oh, they got me. Like it was I mean, this 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 planned out mission to get you to watch this match and not to tune away. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how effective that was, but if you're you know talking to a viewer like me, to me, like Riddle versus Champa is a draw. Yes, I guess. If well, it tell, it, it's very it's very telling of what they view in terms of Champa that they sure, do not see that as some kind of opponent that is going to keep the viewer. It in fact they think the opposite that it might chase you away, whether that's right or wrong. God, I hope not. I hope that's not the case. Jimmy Uso against Montez Ford was our first match of the show, and they brought up the Street Profits beating the Usos by countout in the championship contenders match last week. So keeping that alive and noting that the Street Profits are, have been getting a lot more serious over the last several months. And this was certainly a Montez Ford that they relied heavily on him selling for 80 percent of the match, zooming in on his facial expressions, selling his lower back. And they had a very nice match between the two of them. They went through a commercial break. There's a pop up Samoan by Jimmy onto the edge and Ford gets rammed into the post then Jimmy uh, goes for a splash on the edge of the apron missing and into the post Ford goes for a leaping Rana to send Jimmy off the top didn't quite get all of it but Jimmy just committed and just uh, took the flip off of the top and Ford goes to the top goes for the big splash and lands on the knees and Jimmy just covers him so I didn't quite know how this was a pushing me towards this this tag title match, but they've got their count-out win to uh, uh, hang their hat on for this title match. I thought this was a match where Ford absolutely could have won. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, by the end of this... Of he this won guy, clean. Like, there wasn't even, like, interference by Jay. It's just yeah. he blocked his finisher, and he pinned him. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Usos are being protected pretty well right now, you know, as extensions I'd say they're pretty the protected. They're good. No one's penetrating uh, that... that uh, that shell that they have uh, put around themselves. Yes, yes. And I mean, I think maybe it's for that reason that even in a, in a situation like this in a one-on-one uh, non-title match that they maybe felt that, you know, um, Jimmy couldn't have afforded the loss. But it's unfortunately a cold title match for that reason. You know, I wouldn't have made this match at all. I would have had, you know, Montez Ford beat somebody else in a singles capacity. Sami Zayn, you know, like bring him, bring him on run, have him take the loss for the bloodline. Drew whatever. Gulak. Fine, whatever. But, um, you know, you, this was a very good performance from Montez Ford, but that's no news. There was a lot more talk. I think of, you know, the street profits going their own way before the last set of uh, uh, drafts. Or, or brand extensions or shakeups or whatever you want to call it. And that seems to have died down, and that's fine. But um, we know that he's a good wrestler. Even Dawkins, I think, is a good singles wrestler. I've just been disappointed at like the real lack of evolution in their characters, nor some any real concrete storylines that have been given to the Street Profits since then. There's been nothing new. And at this point, how can I how excited can I really get for them to win the championship, the tag team titles another time, especially when you don't really f- feel like you're putting any sort of new c- fresh coat of paint behind them? You know, at least the Usos now have been rebranded as the bloodline. And that's something new. I'm waiting for that next chapter in the Street Profits story. And this does not feel like it's it at all. What if the Street Profits lose? They have to leave Raw. Um. Or even worse, sure. they have to they have to leave SmackDown. Where are they going then? They'll stay on their home show. They can't what? do any more mysterious pop ups on SmackDown. That'll be the stipulation. 
Oh, got it. Okay. I don't know, dude. I mean, at this point, I'm like, you either you either give them a story, turn them heel, or break them up. Because to me, they're just very stale. Kevin Patrick did a sit-down interview with Seth Rollins, and he said he meant what he told Cody Rhodes in the ring last week. It was real. It was genuine. But Cody is a virus plaguing WWE since WrestleMania. And you have to take matters into your own hands as he lifts up the sledgehammer. I envision that this is how Vince McMahon was first briefed on the effects of COVID and how he was going to combat it. Take matters in your own hands and he grabs a sledgehammer. Yes. He was going to systematically destroy the virus with a sledgehammer. Wow. Okay. Uh, Cody Rhodes, he says was in danger to himself wanting to compete in money in the bank. So he did him a favor by destroying his pack even worse so that he'll be out for nine months rather than risk I don't know, uh, paralysis in Money in the Bank. So interesting favor. tactic. Yeah, yes. in- interesting uh, form of health care from uh, Seth Rollins here. Yes. Yeah. He says yeah. the American nightmare is over. Monday Night Rollins is back. And he mentions his cash-in being the greatest of all time, but he wants to top it. So he's facing AJ tonight in a qualifier, but AJ is not at his level and lacks killer instinct. And he might have to do the same to AJ, what he did to Cody. And uh, they were like, dude, our baby faces are very thin. You're doing no such thing to AJ. Mm -hmm. And with that, AJ showed up on this closed set and attacked Seth. And we see this giant cut on his forehead. And he's all stitched up. Um, This was uh, from from that big cut that he sustained uh, at Hell in a Cell last Sunday. He was off last Monday. And, uh, man, this looked like quite the wound he had. I thought for sure he was getting busted open in this match. But he, uh, he stayed in one piece. I mean, we saw that fan footage of, of you know, that, that wound dripping immediately. So, yeah. Um, hey, man, we're getting Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles on the show. At this point, I was like, I was a happy man. Um, quick build here. Honestly, it's the type of match where you don't really need much story to it, but they at least, you know, gave us some stakes. This is a money in the bank qualifier. I thought overall in this show, they did a good job of, like, reminding you about everybody's, like, prior money in the bank experience, especially the people who have won previously. And uh, this was our, you know, first pre-winner in Seth Rollins, of course. And Styles told Seth that that's for Cody as the, uh, the bullet club continues <laughs> like to grow. Best friends all of a sudden. Wrong. Yeah. We got, how come, a, how come they never like hung out like on screen? Well, you know, they were, uh, they were busy. Were they even in the company at the same time in new Japan? No, 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 no. I meant like in, uh, in WWE, WWE they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, AJ came in early 16 and Cody left by the summer. So there was overlap. Okay. Some overlap. Yeah, but evidently they're best friends here, like so much so that AJ wanted to avenge Cody for for the attack. I mean, he didn't he didn't specify Rhodes. He just said that's for Cody. It could have been (laughs) Cody who Um, Cody Hall, like (laughs) Cody, (laughs) know any other Cody's Uh, not wrestlers. Cody Bellinger, the baseball player, Cody Garbrandt. (laughs) It was for Cody Garbrandt. You know what? (laughs) I'm Cody sure Cody Johnson, American singer songwriter. Possible. <laughs> okay. He didn't. He didn't specify. So we're jumping to conclusions here. Yeah, you're right. Maybe Kurt Angle's son, Cody. That's that's <laughs> Cody Angle. 
Well, also laughable was uh, Dana Brooke and Becky Lynch. They were going to run this back for the 24-7 title, but Becky destroys her and <laughs> just br- the whole crowd starts chanting Becky as she's destroying Dana Brooke. This was great. This crowd was just all in for Becky. They're not buying this. They don't give a shit about this 24-7 title. No. Or maybe they really wanted to see Becky win this. T- they don't this care about this belt and neither does Becky. She basically yeah. says this is never about the title. You can keep that piece of garbage. And says that this is about the disrespect she's been showing. And this year, it's her year for Money in the Bank. And Asuka comes out. They brawl ringside. And then they go into the ring and ends with a spinning back fist and release German. Becky retreats. And Alexa Bliss passes her on the way to the ring. And next week, we will get Becky and Asuka in a Money in the Bank qualifier. You know, watching Raw is sometimes like a really interesting study in just like... um I think a deconstruction sometimes because you see what the end result of the segment is and then you can backtrack the ways in which they somehow were able to frame it in the con into the context of a match. This was never meant to be a match. This was just meant to be, you know, a a Becky Lynch promo about how pissed off she was after everything basically and her uh, entering the money in the bank. And when you just look at it as that, I mean, it it was a good fiery promo from Becky, you know, mentioning not just how pissed off she was, not just mentioning how she wanted to enter the money in the bank, but specifically mentioning the last time I was in this, I got screwed and screwed by Alexa bliss who they had a minor interaction with. um, Who's also of course, entering the match. So already drawing a bit of history between the two of them and a bit of a rivalry, but um, for some reason, they decided to frame it into the body of a Becky Lynch versus, you know, um, uh, what's what's her name? Uh, sorry, Dana Brooke, a 24-7 title match. And uh, it just kind of, you know, turned into this instead. So with Alexa out, she teamed with Liv Morgan against Dewdrop and Nikki Ash. And this was a tag team Money in the Bank qualifying match. And they brought up Bliss winning in 2018 and then Nikki winning last year, which feels like five years ago when Nikki Ash was getting that that summertime push. Morgan gets tagged and the crowd cheered for her as she attacked Dewdrop and hit the double knees off the middle rope. Bliss hit a running blockbuster and Nikki makes the save. And then Nikki and Dewdrop executed this double team side slam inverted DDT combo to Bliss. And Dewdrop just slams Liv on the floor but misses with the senton. And Bliss hits a right hand DDT pinning Nikki Ash in 426. So Alexa Bliss and Liv Morgan qualify for Money in the Bank. And as of this match, we still had an all-women's pay-per-view for Money in the Bank. As of this match. As of this match. That will change. That would change with Seth. Pretty quick match here. You know, really just a way to announce Liv and Alexa into the match. And, um, you know, I think Liv continues to grow, in my opinion, as a fan favorite. And, in fact, like, of all the contestants, if we look at the Money in the Bank as sort of like a way for somebody to ascend to the next level – I, I have to think Liv Morgan might, might be a prime candidate, actually, to, to win it this year. We don't know all the all the people that are in there, but like somebody like Alexa winning it, I get I suppose could be something because she's trying to like, you know, refresh herself. But um it feels like it's a gimmick that like is tailor made for somebody on the level of a level <laughs> level of a Liv Morgan. Um She's gonna level up. <laughs> exactly, yes. Whereas, you know, I'm not sensing as much story behind Alexa. You know, she's getting a lot of airtime in ring, but they're giving I, her wins. They are doing that uh, yeah. up until the four way last week. Uh, seeing, but, they, but they just yeah, they brought her back with like no direction um, yeah. other than they have felt the need to put her over in the 
matches that she has had save for last week. I can see her getting, you know, just a, an unsuccessful title challenge en route to one of the other shows. But to me, like Liv is the one with more of the crowd um, momentum behind her. She seems to like be, she comes out and she's really happy listening to her new theme. That that's what's going on for Alexa bliss. Maybe she's just happy. You don't well, need I mean, material re- things for happiness. She's got a nice job and recently married. You know why? What, what's there to complain? New theme about? music. Yeah. This, this knockoff Avril theme. Sure. Yeah. You know, I was walking the other day and they had this big poster for uh, Avril Lavigne 20th anniversary of that. Jeez. Oh, like complicated. <laughs> yeah. Like the, uh, from that album. Let's go. Let go. Let's go. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Like, this is what we're at right wow. now. We're, we're releasing this because, hey, it's been 20 years since we put this out. So Avril Lavigne and Slammiversary making it to 20 years. And John Cena. That's right. Yeah, man. A lot happened in 2002. You know, Big year. Yeah. We got a recap of Judgment Day's attack on Edge, and we would hear from them later. Kevin Owens against Ezekiel. Uh, dude, Ezekiel better owe Kevin Owens like a like whatever meal he wants for the rest of the year. This dude like killed himself in this match for Ezekiel. And my God, like if you could have an opponent like Kevin Owens, this man has, I am convinced Kevin Owens believes, you know what? Backs are really overrated. I think I would, I'll be just fine with chronic pain in my sixties. Cause if there's one consistency of the uh, near two decades of which I've been watching Kevin Owens, it is his disregard for just landing on his back on very hard, awkward surfaces and he continued it here with the ring steps i feel like kevin owens is somebody who might have read all of mcfoley's autobiographies but cut out all the parts about the injuries yeah he didn't look on on that back uh on the back cover of it where on the back flap where he lists all the injuries yeah because he he exactly i think wrestles like you know foley used to like every single match no matter how many people are watching he throws himself just uh, Dude, there's the the this thing he took on the steps today. Why? Like it's I too have no much, idea. Like it wasn't even like it was just to go to break, and we oh. came back, and during the commercial break, they're showing he's hitting a frog splash Fuck. off the apron. Like it's not even keeping him down for the break. It's like, man, like it's too. I, I appreciate it, and, and like God knows, like there are these editions of Raw where Kevin Owens is the only good thing about them. But, but I also, over like he's he's there. He doesn't need any like he is so much. I want him to have a to be able to walk in like 20 years time. And and therefore, I want him to save these big, beautiful bumps for a, a pay-per-view, you know, for for a significant moment where you remember it. Like the you would figure he's going to be in this ladder match. Go, go nuts. Oh, yeah. 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 But um. Anyway, that that was the big spot in the middle, and I just cringed watching this as he took this Death Valley driver onto the steps. And, and, and they're not, and people aren't taking like they're not removing the top step so it's a flat surface down. People are taking bumps on just like, like the edge, the edge of the of the flat steps. That like, I, I wish there, isn't there a better term for this? Why am I struggling so hard to talk? Steps, steps, uh, uh, whatever. Okay, you know what I mean. I do. He. Uh, but he makes his comeback uh, before the break is over. There's a senton onto Ezekiel's knees, and Ezekiel hits his splash. Um, there's a stunner that gets blocked, and then a flying knee drops Owens, and he just 
crashes to the floor. Ezekiel misses a stinger splash into the post from the floor. And Owen screams at the announcers for calling him Ezekiel. And by storming onto the top of the desk, he is counted out and throws a fit. So another count out finish this week after the Usos last week. And they're very protective of, of Owens here. You know, they had him beat Ezekiel and um, they didn't even have Ezekiel pin him here. So clearly like they see Kevin Owens in high enough regard to not have him just take, you know, meaningless pinfalls to somebody like Ezekiel, but nonetheless, they needed a way, I guess, to, you know, get to the next part of this story um, with Ezekiel getting the upper hand this time. Ezekiel spoke to all of his Zeke freaks and he's not done with Kevin Owens, but also has bigger fish to fry, which seems to contradict one another. And he points to the briefcases above and I've reached out and contacted my brother Elias and he's packing up his guitar and he's coming to raw next week and he's looking really good. I don't know what this had to do with money in the bank. But he, that was the tie-in to Elias is coming next he week. Said his, Elias was so exi- excited for Money in the Bank season, I guess. That he's going to Lincoln, Nebraska. That You've got yeah. to be very excited for something to pack up and go to Lincoln. And he's going to do a concert next week. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see how they pull this off, you know? I, I'm I'm still really enjoying this Ezekiel Kevin Owens stuff, um, and part of it is because I think they keep trying to evolve it, and we're at in in the part of the story now where we're going to maybe see you know dual identities, or at least Ezekiel continuing to tease the appearance of Elias, and maybe we don't get it, but I'm sure Kevin Owens will still be involved. He is honestly the key to all of this working, um, and yeah, I'd love to see both of them in the Money in the Bank. Omos and MVP come out, and MVP has a match with Cedric Alexander, who he says doesn't handle rejection well, bringing up his involvement at Hell in a Cell. Your desperation is annoying, and you belong on the bottom while we belong on the top. And the camera tilts up, and Omos puts his arm in the air as if he's going to reach the briefcases that were extremely high up. And does Omos get into the ladder match? I think so. Don't you? Uh, For the novelty of it, yes. yes. We've had big men. You know, in the money in the bank before, he, he'd be a good base. And could you imagine this guy climbing that ladder? Yeah, I could see it. Probably be, two ladders. They probably said pretty two scary. But so, like, a lot of people are like, you know, trying to throw their names in, into the money in the bank already on this show. Like, do we already have sort of a, I don't know. Um, well, we have one person in so far. Right. But you have Elias here wanting, wanting to enter. Um, Omos. Maybe Kevin Owens. Perhaps I, I could see Owens and Ezekiel getting into into that one. You, and you, you probably want people from SmackDown. Yeah, which there aren't too many, so you could you can put in Drew, you can put in Sheamus, and um, Ricochet doesn't seem to be at that level. You would think right. maybe maybe he, he he makes the cut. And 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 I mean Elias or Ezekiel. I mean these people have yet to win qualifying matches, so they could just they could probably they could lose those two. Maybe they'll maybe Kevin Owens will announce next week that for Ezekiel to get into Money in the Bank, you have to beat Elias. <laughs> that would be great. Like that's the that's the that. the heat now is every week coming up with a segment that they somehow have to creatively get I think, around. I think that's a great idea. And then you have Ezekiel win by forfeit when Elias doesn't show up. He gets food poisoning or something. Yeah, or maybe he wins by countout. Maybe like I don't know. They'll do something creative like that. Yeah, and then maybe uh, Ezekiel is going to admit that you know what? Uh, I've only been on Raw a few months, and I have to admit that I I have imposter syndrome. Oh, wow. 
No, and he can, he can talk about his his anxieties of being on Raw and, you know, all this stardom that's come his way that his brother that's couldn't great. handle. His brother Lovely. couldn't handle the spotlight. Great material right there. Hey, um, oh, Cedric Alexander. He came out and he was destroyed in a minute 40. Ball and elbow, play of the day. Um, this, this firmly cements him at probably the bottom. Like, he is the Drew Gulak of Raw. Yeah. I mean, is he above or below the 24-7 division at this point, Cedric? Uh, he doesn't win the 24-7 title, but he's been in the chase. So I would I would say he's below the 24-7 title. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, this certainly cemented it. You're right. Where Cedric doesn't even get to beat the manager. <laughs> and like, pretty much got dominated by the manager. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't even... It was a clean loss, or as clean as I think you could get. The only distraction came in the form of, like, looking at Omos. Like, Omos didn't even touch him. Like, Omos was just standing there. And yeah, Cedric just set was up like, a oh, my God. For- yeah. He's there, and he lost, so whatever. Omos tossed him out, and that was it. He reached up again for the briefcases, so maybe they'll they'll slowly lower, and he'll reach one of them. Styles cut a promo. He's never won money in the bank, and what Rollins did to Cody, again, just Cody, was disgusting, and Rollins is beneath him, and he won't question my killer instinct after tonight, and Seth said that he's in AJ's head, and he's dedicating his victory tonight and at Money in the Bank to Cody Rhodes. So he did. Okay, so he did specify Cody Rhodes. Seth did. Yes, AJ. Oh, Seth did. Yeah, not AJ. Well, they could be just be. It could just be a confusion. You know, maybe AJ must have just like read raw results. Uh, Seth attacked Cody. No, <laughs> he just assumed. What I like about this is that um, AJ seems to care so much about what happened to Cody, but he has absolutely nothing to say about the friend that we've actually seen him hang out with over the past month and a half. In Finn Balor, when Finn turned on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like and joined his 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 opponents. You know? Well, you know what? <laughs> My problem was with Edge anyway. So you do, you do whatever. I mean, shit, at least like we we should get a comment. You know, like, like you don't. Yeah, just no, divorce. no, that was a, that was a huge hole. That was a, that was a big hole that you bring up. And same um, with Liv. Come on, what what about what happened to you know Bullet Club for Liv? Well, um, she understands. Um, that she's still figuring things out and Finn's still figuring it out, you know, right, even at his age, even at 40. Right. AJ and Seth, Money in the Bank qualifying match. The announcer's note, AJ's coming out aggressive with that pit bull mentality. And Rollins hit a suicide dive, sending AJ over the announcer's desk. That set up the break. AJ, after absorbing a super kick, gets the calf crusher. And Rollins breaks out, but it's reapplied. Uh, gets out of that again. Pele kick drops Rollins and then is suplexed into the corner. And AJ is trying to get him away from the rope as he goes for this two count. Seth ducks the phenomenal forearm, chop blocking the knee of AJ. And goes for the pedigree, which is countered with the Ushiguroshi. And on the bad knee, for whatever reason, AJ climbs to the top. So... Rollins scales to the top. AJ slides under, and it ends with Seth hitting a buckle bomb, running across the ring. Frog splash is missed by Seth, and then as AJ goes for the Styles Clash, Rollins chops at the knee to stop it. There's a sunset roll-up, and Rollins hooks the leg, uh, the Bret Hart-Leo Burke special, and he pins AJ in a very entertaining match on Raw that they got two segments for. Very high quality for a Raw, you know. On Over 15 TV. minutes and a finish. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and these are arguably the company's two very best wrestlers. So uh, you put that on free TV. Uh, it always greatly elevates, you know, my, my appreciation for that particular edition of Raw. Glad they had some time here. Gave us a clean finish, even uh, fantastic for both men. Uh, 
Yeah, and I was actually expecting them to do something here with the Judgment Day because with Edge out and turned, AJ's got no one. Like, if he's not qualifying for this ladder match, you would think he has to feud with, with Finn just as a holdover until hmm. Edge is ready to come back. But there there was nothing of that on tonight's show. But AJ is sort of like a... um you know, collateral damage in this whole edge turn. Don't you think, don't you think edge will come back before money in the bank or like for money in the bank, like for that match? Maybe. I, I think SummerSlam. That would SummerSlam, be my guess. Okay. It just, <laughs> it just feels as, I mean, you, you could do it. That just seems real quick for the level of attack that they did last week. And you could get by with AJ and Finn in the meantime, just to yeah. get through Vegas. Maybe, maybe next week. And we come back and there is Ciampa in the ring. And taking on Riddle. We've got The Miz on commentary. And after they had avoided telling you who he would face, Ciampa's just uh, right there for us. And Riddle immediately goes for an armbar. And it's broken up in the corner. Ciampa stomps on Riddle's foot as Miz yells, that's why you wear shoes in WWE. Miz then started talking about his balls. That They are really trying to get that over after last week. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. Riddle comes back to hit a draping DDT, calls for the RKO, but it's turned into a roll-up, and Ciampa goes from an ankle lock to a toehold on Riddle, and mm-hmm. the announcers thought this was the most clever thing. Dude, I was really impressed with Ciampa. This crowd could not have been like more checked out, because that's what you've been trained to see in Ciampa. He's been, they've done nothing with him, but man, I thought these guys worked really hard together, and by the end, like they had um, the spot where... Uh, Champa takes down the knee pad and he just drills Riddle. Um, led to like if if this was a more protected guy, would have been a really impactful near fall. Um, but th- I thought they worked really hard. The ending here was very awkward because as Champa is uh, laying on the ground, Riddle climbs to the top for this floating bro, and he comes down right on top of Champa, and Champa's grabbing his right knee and he gets to his feet. And he takes like the ugliest RKO um, where his leg just looked like it was compromised. And hopefully this wasn't anything serious. And maybe it was just Riddle landed on it badly. Uh, But it it looked really rough at at the end after this floating bro spot. So hopefully Chomp is fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I think this guy needs is any more injuries, you know, while while being on this roster. Uh, I thought it was a great match. And Back to back, you know, between this and AJ versus Seth and then coming up here, having Ali versus Gable like this was turning into like hot little, you know, takeover edition of Raw. This so, this like, was 2009 quietly. NXT right here. This, yeah. this last match. Very quietly, except none of the matches really matter. And like half the guys have no real storylines or they're just lackeys for people like the Miz. Unfortunately, we see Ciampa's position right now. He's he's basically just an accessory and, you know, unofficial lackey to the Miz. But you see how hard the man works with every opportunity he gets to be on television. And that's what Ciampa did for me here. He came up with very inventive ways to attack Riddle using focusing on that bare on the bare feet, you know, doing things that I think exemplify a lot of the Chompa character that we've seen in NXT. Somebody who's incredibly smart, vicious, and technically perfect, I have to say. So I hope somebody back there was paying attention. Somebody with influence back there was paying attention. And I hope the guy's healthy and, and, and they treat him like the talent that he is. Kevin Patrick brought up Bianca Belair to talk about her match with Rhea Ripley. Bianca said they were both at the forefront of the new generation of women in WWE. They were doing this together and had a mutual respect I, I was not uh, up to date with this uh, this best friend 
Okay, they haven't been explicit, but they, there have been instances. If you remember one of the earlier women's rumbles, was it a women's rumble or was it an Andre Battle Royal? Anyway, they ended. They were final two. Didn't, didn't they do this at NXT last year where they brought out like the three champions? Yeah, there was that. And then like, yeah, because they're coming out, out of WrestleMania. they. That's all I remember. It's like, yeah, they did it with Rhea, Bianca, and... They were also final two during one of the rumbles, I'm pretty sure. Um, Don't quote me on that, though. Chat okay. room, let me know. So like there 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 has been like a bit of a sort of like teasing the fact that like this is the next generation. They're no Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade though. Well, yeah, they're not skateboarding together or anything. Yes, they make it very very clear they are best friends. And she says since Rhea has joined Judgment Day, she's soulless and I don't recognize her. It's cuz she dyed her hair. Ripley appears on the screen with Finn and Damian and Judgment Day speaks through their actions. Balor says they do what they want, when they want. We're tired of playing nice and taking orders. That's why we removed Edge. And Damian Priest explains that Edge had the right idea when this group began, but his actions contradicted his own mission statement. He painted himself as the leader and then told us not to do what we're told. <laughs> I mean, that was a, that's a very good point. Be- I remember. The best you're going to get. Something, it's, it's something I, I thought of like when Edge... I mean, and you think about that as like you just kind of chalk it up to heel logic, right? You know, don't don't say as I don't do as I say. Uh, whatever <laughs> you finish it, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, do but as yeah, I they, say not as I do. Okay, thank you. So, the, so you know, Priest used it rightfully so as logic to justify the attack. Yes, yes, and then Finn explained that there was a different force at play that. Kept me from kicking out of Edge's spear at Hell in a Cell. And it was in that moment that I was frozen. Frozen from my inactivity and my 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 complete lack of regard for myself in my chosen profession. I was frozen on that mat and I left Hell in a Cell knowing I n- must be a new man. And that's what I was reborn as last Monday. Explaining why he lost to Edge the night before. Did he actually say all that? No, he said none of that, dude. I'm just <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, did I? Miss as you can see from my my awkward no, improv there, your verbiage like sounded exactly like something that they would write. Uh, Rhea just calls them half-witted nobodies here in Kansas, and Belair is trying to convince herself she's the EST, and states that last week in the four-way, her teeth were knocked loose, and you can see like the wire on her teeth here. It, but it's she, true. She she tweeted something from the dentist's office. She said, I loved it, and I took what I wanted, and she is she's not going for just the championship. At Money in the Bank, she's going to eradicate Bianca Belair from existence and become a two-time women's champion. Eradicate her from existence. Well, she is the eradicator, is she not? She is, yes, and she is going to eradicate you. Yeah, I don't know about that nickname, but... Hey, listen. So this is a this is the new direction for the Judgment Day that they were teasing, and we we got the sense they, of it. They, they did this promo from Earth, from yeah. a room. They were speaking um, like they were, humans. They were they were living. You know, they weren't like ghosts. <laughs> That's right. Um, it was a dark room. Yeah, but I will say, I thought this was an improvement over what we have been getting from the Judgment Day. Um, for one thing, I think we could both make sense of the words that they were actually speaking this time. I love promos where I can understand what they're saying. 
Like I'm there was no, those. there was no overstuffed, you know, like unnecessary words that I don't know, like you'd find in a sci-fi novel, novel or something like that. Like I, everything that they said sounded like it was coming from a human person. Okay. Which is more than I can say for a lot of their promos from before. And, um, I am disappointed that we didn't get more of an explanation from Finn Balor as you were trying to, um, uh, you know, showcase. He's, he's not playing nice anymore. He was playing nice for too long. We needed more of an explanation. This is a significant event. This is a heel turn for Finn Balor. And we got all but, what, two, three lines here. And I think the understanding is that this is a group not for Finn Balor. In fact, they made specifically mention that this is no longer a group with any leaders. You even see it visually with Finn Balor standing off to the side and not in the middle here. This is a group of three equals. What we think, what we know that to actually mean is likely the fact that this is a group really meant to push Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley. And Finn Balor is just sort of your other guy, you know, on the side. At least that's the indication I got after watching this. Yes. And maybe Edge will come back and cut a fiery promo that he owns the intellectual property of Judgment Day that he filed (laughs) personally. A cease and desist. Yes, yes. They will fight over the rights to that. DX did that once at a pay-per-view. They fought over like the the rights to the name of DX between the uh, the sides. So IP is a money drawing program in pro wrestling. Maybe they'll just change like a letter, like judgment. Judgment night will be judgment night. Okay. Theory is shown warming up, and he's on a different level. Shows off his biceps, and he's going to beat Lashley in a pose down. It's like we're getting a pose down tonight. And he states that he is the best investment WWE has ever made. He's only getting started. And in 20 years, when they celebrate him, it will make Cena's celebration look like nothing. And I think this is probably the most on-brand WWE um, forecasting. Because 20 years from now, they probably will celebrate the 20th anniversary of Theory when it has been more than 20 years since he has been on the main roster. Um. What do you mean? Like, like if they're 22nd year, they'll celebrate? He what said 20 years from now, they're going to celebrate him. Oh, gotcha. Understood. I mean, this guy, when was he called <laughs> up? He was called up uh, the, the pandemic WrestleMania, the first True. one. And then he, right. then he went back to NXT and then he came back last year. But somehow it's, we're, we're going from 20 years now. Now it starts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he really sort of what, said what, like in 17, in 18 years? Well, let's not ask them to do too much math or they'll start talking about the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. So, um, but this so, is obviously pointing theory towards uh, John Cena, which um, I understand why they're doing it. It's just, um, I don't know that that pairing does not knock me to the moon. No, of course not. No, not at all. But as always with the show, like we, they have their prospects that they want to push and value from a John Cena match is great. And even though I think there are a number of opponents we'd love to see John Cena up against, um, you know, they, they might not have um, what they see in Austin Theory. So I, um, I really thought that there was like, obviously, they've been teasing the theory stuff like be- between the two on social media and stuff. But the fact that last week they had that decision to make about turning someone babyface and they were so adamant about keeping Seth Rollins is a heel. I was like, well, who are you keeping him as a heel for in the, in the immediate future? And I, I thought like, if, if you want to do Seth and Cena, like that's a match you could do and would require Seth staying as a, as a heel. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure where you go with Seth Rollins with, with Cody gone and where 
the baby faces are on, on Raw, but he's obviously a heel for a reason that they want him in that, that spot. I imagine something co- coming off of the money in the bank match. Perhaps you know you got you can always set up some rivalry that way. Maybe maybe he'll challenge challenge somebody on SmackDown. Chad Gable took on Mustafa Ali, and uh, this was a uh, Ali coming off that high of losing in his hometown. Um, Ali like slid into the corner and he nailed this turnbuckle and they showed the replay. Dude, he went all in on this thing and he just looked like he went way harder than he was expecting. Oh, like head looked like it, you know, oh hit, hit the mat pretty hard too. And, and the ref had to check on him. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is a natural transition to go to a tiger suplex on the guy. Oh goodness. The offense, like if his neck, hopefully his neck or head were not hurt at all. Cause Chad Gable would be the last person I would want to take moves from. It's like, man, I just nailed myself. What's coming up? Tiger suplex. Uh, then we're going to go with a uh, chaos, chaos theory. theory. Yeah. Got Which it. Is called called the American um, automatic for it. The Graves. American automatic. Crave says American said American automatic. That sounds yeah. like a gun. Okay. There you go. It's an odd naming. You know, they're not like they've never said chaos theory. I don't think they've never called it chaos theory. No, but that's just the uh, the accepted one. I'll continue with chaos theory. He won in three fifteen. Uh, Mustafa Ali um, main event airs every week. So is he, is, he even on, is he even on main event? Dude? He was on last week. Oh, he was. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, uh, I, I hope he's okay. But secondly, like the match itself, I thought like like was was a lot of fun. You know, this was another one of those pairings that I think <laughs> on, under a different roster uh, would have been great to see at, at an extended length. Mm, but it told tells you everything you need to know about where they are with Ali's push. They're done with it. He lost repeatedly. The theory lost in his hometown, and now he's just going to make the tour through the undercard, losing to various other people. I don't know why, like, Gable even needed a singles win here. This is was this, is this building to a tag team match? Is this building to anything? No, I don't. Th- uh, Ali's got to find a partner. That, for what? He's not. He's not well, challenging um, for the tag titles. I'm saying if if him uh, against Gable and Otis, he's got to. Like, there's someone. no feud here. I don't no, think. it's just to uh, fill time. You know, everyone's slotted in a way. You know where yeah. Ali is slotted. Maybe there's a feud. Maybe maybe there's a feud coming off of this. I don't know. Then we got the changing of the he, guard. His contract is a, is not up until like 2024. Yes, he has guy. disclosed that. So this is um, yeah, this is probably a lesson. And the worst thing for him is to get injured. They they would extend it. Yes. Yeah. That's a. It, it's odd how those work, but that's that's the precedent. Rey Mysterio against Veer Mahan. Ray got uh, tossed to the floor, and then Veer misses him in the corner, but he does not leave his feet despite landing on the floor. So he boots Dominic and clotheslines him into the timekeeper's area, and the crowd was booing him. Ray gets some offense in. He's caught by Veer and spins him onto his knee. This looked extremely sloppy, and then applied the cervical clutch, and boom, Ray taps in 347. What I found to be disappointing about this is that even if you want to look at where Ray is like the whole point of this is that you are building someone up new in Veer. And mm-hmm. I watched this and I'm just like, I don't know if this guy gained anything from no, beating Ray. None. They immediately just end this. It's like, you can feed Veer. I just, I don't feel it. And Ray is, I cannot imagine any other company in the world 
that mm-hmm. could book Rey Mysterio and him feeling this inconsequential. Like, yeah. right alongside Mustafa Ali. Like, that is what you have done with Rey Mysterio to a point mm-hmm. that when you decide that he's going to lose to Veer Mahan, it means nothing for Veer. He is no bigger today than he was yesterday. Nothing match. And you totally forgot about it because, boom, we're plugging the SmackDown title match on Friday. Yeah. A result like this at a match like this just shows so little foresight. They could have spent a couple weeks on this and built this to a big pay-per-view match for Veer and the most impressive win of Veer's career. They could have built it up as some sort of major upset and it would have stuck with Veer for the rest of his career. That rhymes. Uh, But instead, we're not going to think about this after today. No one will ever think about this match. And, you know, next time, like, they might redo this match. Maybe he'll beat both the Mysterios next week. But it just won't matter anymore because, I mean, they, you've already established, you know, Rey Mysterio at such a low level that anything he can do to both of these guys afterwards is really insignificant. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we've gone over it. Like, obviously, there there are reasons he is here in, in WWE and helping. Well, what, are, what are those reasons, right? It's to help get new talent over, right? And and they're they're really kind of shooting themselves in the foot by not even giving him the chance to do that. I I just think we will look back at this and here's a guy who is uh, he's 47 and from 2019 onward, like here was a guy that could have like just think of the options you could have had with a Rey Mysterio in his mid to late 40s. Who okay, he's not Rey Mysterio of 1995, but Rey Mysterio of 2022 is still pretty goddamn great he's and amazing. he's now in that like legendary status among yeah. people that if you were to pluck him out of WWE, he is a star in any other company and god knows that even a uh, incoherent direction would not trivialize him to this degree and he would be a big deal in Anywhere in AAA, in New Japan, in AEW, like Impact, anywhere. I, I cannot fathom that. In you know any what other pro company, wrestling Noah would do with a Rey Mysterio? All right. Oh, they would my make God. Him champion for the next 10 He's years. He's almost old enough that he could win the GHC title. Yeah. There you go. Like, we, we're. I would, I, dude, Rey and Kojima, like, sign me up. The wrestling world is begging for people of a Rey Mysterio status. And even at an advanced age, with that comes, I think, an increased legendary status. They're begging for people who are like that, who can also work, who still have their bodies and can still go at a considerable considerable level. And I don't know if there are many like gifts like a Rey Mysterio who's at his age, who's at his level of star power and can still wrestle. And he's just being squandered. He's just being wasted against Veer on Raw. Yeah, it's like you can't even look at like that that Veer is benefit. Like he just feels like it's it's our latest monster, but he has not jumped off the screen to me in any way in these months where there's been that progression where you see him and maybe part of that is being on the same brand as as Omos that it kind of diminishes trying to do this this monster push, but he, like he just seems like he's a guy, he's a guy on the show and you're feeding him a ray and it's it doesn't get him to the, the next stage. It's a really interesting study, I think, in, in handling, because like I think Wardlow is much more uh, talented than what we've seen from Veer, probably a lot more experienced than Veer. But you have, I think, raw material that's somewhat similar. And can you imagine like Veer in a Wardlow story, you know, or, or can you imagine Wardlow in a Veer gimmick and how different I think those results would be at the end of where we are? And then... Take a deep breath. Next week on Raw, it's going to be Asuka versus Becky Lynch in a Money in the Bank qualifier and a concert. 
What a mouthful. That's it. That's what we've got for next week. <laughs> the two extremes. Theory Invitational Showdown, hosted by Adam Pierce. Theory was wearing The Undertaker's uh, headset microphone. They do their poses. The fans cheered. They cheered for Lashley. Um, Corey Graves got in some of his uh, his Bobby Heenan lines with uh, the narcissist. This segment desperately needed Bobby Heenan uh, to be hosting it about the striations. And Lashley won. Theory told the fans to cheer for him. They didn't. And then Theory says, I've got one more pose for you. And he squirted baby oil in his eyes and drop kicked him. And Lashley sold the baby oil as Theory took a selfie on the podium to end the show. This was an actual main event. You know, John didn't make all this up. They actually closed the show with this. First of all, I don't know if there are many cities that you can get away with something like this. What does Wichita right. get? Wichita, I guess, didn't revolt. But imagine if they did this in like New York. Imagine if they did this in Toronto, John. Okay. This segment to close this show, they would have shat all over this. You don't, it would have heard AEW chants all over this. Here, Fine. Okay, Wichita. <laughs> this is your main event. No countdown, by the way, to the to the show. Oh, was there no countdown off the top? No, I don't believe so. What did they have to count down to? Well, the, the, I I did note the time that like AJ and Seth started at like nine forty five. They didn't even wait till ten o'clock for for that match. So I'm imagining that match just bled over into the third hour. But yeah, okay. you're right. There, were, I did not see the countdown tonight. And secondly, like this is not the first time we've seen something like this. We we. We know anytime that they do some sort of bodybuilding thing, they are doing those segments for an audience of one in Vince McMahon. Okay. He's the only, how many of us have actually even seen a bodybuilding competition to know what they're supposed to look like, you know, like of all things to parody or like, you know, like do versions of on your pro wrestling TV. I get doing like a freestyle rap battle. Okay. I get doing, I don't know, even like an academic challenge. But to like lampoon a bodybuilding pose down, like how how old do you have to be, and how how like how much of a niche person do you have to be to like be able to appreciate this? Like this, the, the only this thing I terrible. would truly appreciate is if Corey was not uh, coming up with those lines, and instead Vince was producing him and just screaming at the top of his lungs. Well, we didn't get Bobby's favorite pose, unfortunately. So. Yes. Maybe so there you go. That, in. that was raw. Um, you know, um, I really enjoyed AJ and Seth. I, I thought Ciampa worked really hard. Hopefully his, his leg is fine. Uh, Owens, always entertaining. Like, th- again, I didn't have too much negative on this show. I think uh, Ray has been so trivialized, but that's not a new thing on this show. Um, but but it like I, I think you really do feel like the the lack of stars that they have. And you just see where like you don't even have like a fake push to get behind a Mustafa Ali. Like, you know where these folks are slotted and you know that they are not moving outside of that. And the result is like, you have a show with very few people um, that are over in any meaningful degree. And I think you're really stretching it of like, who are those big larger than life figures that this audience are captivated by? I think like it's a very small number that we look at. I think you'll get Randy back soon. You know, he'll help really fill a lot of that void that you've been missing. Edge probably slated to come back. We're definitely at a bit of a lull, you know, ahead of SummerSlam season when I think a lot of the stars are scheduled to return. But, but what does that tell but, you, Way, about like the big returns are Randy Orton, Edge, 
John Cena. Like these are, oh yeah, like these are all stop gaps. But you're right, like those are the stars to the the audience. Yeah, I mean Becky, as you mentioned, Seth. You know, to an extent, maybe they just don't seem as big of a deal right now because we see them every single week. Um, I will say, I thought on this episode, you know, the whole framework of Money in the Bank is providing some you know, forward moving momentum here for a lot of the, the matches, um, qualify matches are immediate story devices that you can use for pretty much every single match that we got to see here. A lot of people stating their desire to at least enter a qualifying match. And, um, you know, that to me, like, is at least giving relevance to a lot, uh, on the show. And, um, worst segment really was the main event. Yeah. And that's supposed to set up your U S title match that, um, Yes, it feels cold. Yeah. That was raw. So those are our thoughts. We got a feedback. Forum.postwrestling.com. I'll start here, John. Matt Smith says, I'm disappointed we didn't get to see Lashley's favorite pose. Yes. That's Remember when that was a whole thing? Yeah, with Leo Rush. Before this- Lana? Was that before or after Lana? This After, was right? this was before Lana, I think. Wow, was it? Well, did he go from Leo Rush posing to Lana and then to MVP, or was it Lana to, to Leo to MVP? And where does where does Sammy's sisters or Lashley's sisters fit in? Oh, I think that was after. I think that was after Lana. It doesn't matter, everybody. The point is, this man has a, a quite the road to the top, and I don't know if today was you know like positive. John, like doing this type of shit, like why are we supposed to cheer for the guy? Because he has impressive muscles. Because he got blinded by baby oil. Have you ever got baby oil in your eyes? Never. No. Yeah. Um, Alexander from Portland writes: Seth and AJ put on a nice match, but the pose down main evented over that. If here's the thing, okay, about the positioning of the show. More often than not, the lowest segment is going to be the final segment in the third hour. Like I would argue, you should not be putting your biggest thing in that that final segment because it's by and large, it's like a jump uh, scale down in that third hour that you're really putting things at the end of the show that are going to die anyway. So why put something super important? You, you put it at 10, you put it at nine or you start the show off with it. Those are the big segments. Certainly. Absolutely. Agreed. You know, we see AEW, the main event is typically the first match on the show, but I also don't think you should end the show on a pose down. You know, like something of substance should should be there for to reward people. Who I mean, most around. weeks it's it's not a throwaway segment. Like they do put something of note this week. I mean, they promoted this as something significant. It just was not good. So, yeah, uh, he says, if Roman being world champion going forward is the plan, then Seth winning money in the bank sounds the most interesting. And they do have the Royal Rumble to play off of if they ever go back to that, where you had the. The DQ finish, and he did not get beat by Reigns. The Judgment Day gimmick seems unchanged, but Finn feels like such a better fit for the group than Edge. Mustafa Ali had been on quite the losing streak, too. Next week should be fun with Elias returning for a concert, and Reigns' Rill feels like a much bigger match after tonight. Congrats go to Becky Lynch for successfully not winning the 24-7 championship. A 3 out of 5 show, Alexander says. I mean, the gimmick is unchanged for Judgment Day in that they still cut promos in a dark room with purple light. That's still their motif. They still have the look. They retain the, the company logo. Um, but I will say I, I noticed a difference in in the dialogue, in the scripting, uh, and the fact that now they have officially no leaders in that I think you're seeing maybe Ripley and Damian Priest carry a lot of the talking. 
Yeah. Uh, the jury's out on that one. We'll see where, where things go. It was, it was a short segment tonight and the jury will judge. Yes, that, that is it. All right. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us tonight. Uh, we are live after every raw, every dynamite, every SmackDown and, we are going to be back Tuesday night. Postwrestlingcafe.com. Rewind away number 112. We are going back to June of 2016. Uh, a lot of interesting news that week. Um, coming out of Money in the Bank, um, this was the week when WWE announced a wellness violation for Roman Reigns. Uh, we will talk about how WWE handled him on this pay-per-view and coming out of the show, as well as all the other news headlines from that week in history uh, some six years ago. So uh, check that out Tuesday night for patrons. And then... Uh, we'll be live at 1 Eastern on Tuesday with Martin Bushby from the British Wrestling Experience joining us. So for Wei Ting, I am John Pollock, and thank you for watching Rewind a Raw.